Welcome to Live and Learn, a production of the Honors Program at the University of Connecticut. I'm Danielle Shalou, and this is Episode 3. The Holster Scholars First Year Project is an enrichment opportunity for curious first-year honors students. Holster Projects are in-depth, individualized learning experiences completed during the summer after the first year. So for current first-year students, 2018. Beyond some basic requirements, projects are self-designed. Scholars receive $4,000 in research support to complete their projects under the guidance of a faculty member. If you're interested in learning more, there's an information session on Monday, October 16th at 7 p.m. in the Buckley classroom. Here's 2016 Holster Scholar Katie Grant, who investigated the public perception of school choice options in Connecticut. To the students that were in my positions two years ago, go for it. Just it's something you won't regret. Um, no matter if it comes out in a successful Holster acceptance or not, um, you will learn something about yourself through it, and that's the most valuable thing you can get. As the semester is now fully underway, stress levels all over campus are rising. Counseling and Mental Health Services offers a wide range of options for students. They include clinical services such as individual therapy, group therapy, and on-call support 24-7, as well as free activities such as drop-in consultation hours, yoga classes, and various workshops throughout the semester. To learn more, visit counseling.uconn.edu or call 860-486-486. 4705. Here's Dr. Aaron Cox from CMHS to talk about stress and perfectionism. One thing that I always like to emphasize is that stress itself is not a bad thing. It's just really how that stress is impacting us or how we think about that stress. So a certain level of stress is pretty normal throughout college. You know, if you have midterms coming up, that's going to be a stressful experience and perhaps would help you be more motivated to study and do well. That being said, um, you know, a lot of students are impacted by numerous stressors at once, and that might build up to become something more like anxiety or depression or other types of more significant mental health concerns where where it's starting to impact your ability to function. And so there's a number of, of kind of self-help strategies um, that I'm a big fan of. Uh, One of my favorites would be something like meditation um, or uh, deep breathing exercises. Uh, There's a lot of great YouTube videos and apps out there that that offer instruction on how to meditate. My favorite strategy is um, uh, what they call diaphragmatic breathing. And so it's a specific technique that taps into our relaxation response, which is through our parasympathetic nervous system. Um, And the technique for this is to kind of breathe essentially into your belly. So your diaphragm is an organ it's right above your belly and when you breathe into your diaphragm you are triggering this um, response in your body your nervous system thinks I'm safe now Um, I'm breathing in a calm manner and that sends a message to your brain the trick is to kind of take these nice slow breaths in and out through your nose maybe about you know counting you know about three to six counts in and three to six counts out and really kind of focusing on getting it into your belly. Now, if you do this for um, a few breaths, that's great, but it's actually even more effective if you're doing it for about five minutes a day in a kind of meditation practice. Um, So I I personally like to use apps with a guide because if I don't have a guide, I will only meditate for about one or two minutes and then I get bored. So uh, use a guide and that will help you kind of stay track on time. One of my other favorite strategies is to to really consider um, the way that we think about stress. So when we're stressed out, we tend to think about things in a more illogical, maybe more negative way. 
than what is actually the reality of that situation. And so sometimes when we kind of stay, take a step back, um, we can see those more logical ways of thinking. And there's a, a whole field of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy that's based on this principle. And, and they've identified what they call cognitive distortions, which are specific ways that people think about things that are a little bit more illogical. Essentially, what you want to do is learn to recognize when you're using a cognitive distortion, for example, uh, magnifying a problem. So you know, if I failed this one exam, I assume that I failed the class and failed out of college. That would be magnification. Um, what you want to do with that is to kind of step back and say, I'm magnifying right now. What's an alternative way of viewing this problem? Well, I failed the exam. That's not great. But maybe if I, you know, talk to the professor or the TA, if I have a study group, um, you know, if I think about a different way to study, then I can turn it around. And one exam does not make my final grade. So that would be a way that you're challenging that thought. And that's essentially the idea with, um, with cognitive behavioral therapy is to, to identify um, negative thought patterns and challenge them. Um, so one thing I'd really like to emphasize are our free drop-in services. One thing that we often hear from students um, um, is concern around wait time uh, for you know, getting in for therapy um, and things like that. And you know, to a certain degree, like there can be a wait time, just like when you call a doctor's office or a dentist's office um, to get in for a service. But we do have a lot of rapid access services. So certainly our emergency on-call services um, are available. But our drop-in consultation program, um, uh, which is technically called the Consultation and Support Hour, is a really amazing um, service for students. You know, if you've just gone through a breakup, if you're having a roommate problem, if you're struggling with test anxiety, our clinicians are trained to identify these concerns and give you tools, resources, um, um, referrals to other campus agencies that can really be helpful. Um, and often, and actually, many of the students that use the drop-in service find that they do not need to come back for, for longer-term therapy. Um, they find that those resources were enough to get them through that one particularly difficult time. So that's one of my favorite services that we offer. Um, and that is free. It's available on a first-come, first-served basis um, every day of the week during the school year. UConn Recreation offers a wide variety of programming opportunities. Over the next few weeks, Live and Learn will dig a little deeper into what's offered. Today, we'll hear from Steve Drasdis, coordinator of club sports, as well as Meg O'Neill and Ashley Jepson, both students involved with club sports. But first, some information on the new student recreation facility that's currently under construction. My name is Cindy Costanzo. I am the executive director of UConn Recreation. You're the person in charge of the big construction project happening on Hillside Road. I absolutely am. It's very exciting. I call it my building, which I'm not really sure that's what the university is calling it, but it feels very much like my building. Uh, the project is on time. It is also on budget, which is great. And we will plan to open that building in August of 2019. And so students that are on the campus right now will be using that building. Um, and we're very excited about that. And what will it look like when it's done? For students that are on the campus, they can stop by the student union right now and, and see our video fly through, as well as the two models that we have available for students to see and really capture the essence of how, how big this building is. We've developed a, a fantastic aquatic center, which will be two individual pools, and that will really meet the needs of a lot of our club sport athletes, as well as our recreational users. Um, we'll have four fitness centers. One of the fitness centers that we have outlined right now will house more equipment than is what is currently available in the entire recreation center. 
We also will have four gymnasium wood court floors, as well as two additional, what's called a MAC court, or is a multi-activity court, more of a synthetic surface. Those six courts are surrounded by a really unique design of an indoor running track. And then we have our outdoor adventure center, which will be part of the actual building, which now most people know that that's an annex program for us and available in the union. Now in there, it will run all the programs that we currently run, our cycle share program, sign up for our weekend adventure programs that we take students to off-site locations from everything from mountain biking to ice climbing, et cetera. In addition, we will expand the our um, climbing center. Currently, we have a relatively small, mostly bouldering climbing center. Um, we will expand the bouldering that will be available in our new climbing center, but we'll also um, add the high climbing elements, and we will be the home to the a 55-foot-high climbing center, which will be the largest in New England. And here's the club sports team. So we, we have 39 club sports, ranging from, from, from men's and women's soccer, um, women's basketball, baseball, softball, um, men's and women's rugby, to, to more of the non-traditional sports, such as uh, woodsman, skydiving. We, we have three different horse disciplines. Um, so it's pretty much something for everybody. You don't have to have any experience in some of these clubs and you can participate. Obviously, if you try out for a men's lacrosse team and you have no idea about lacrosse, you know, you don't even know what a lacrosse stick is, um, that, you know, th- that might not be something that's going to work for you. But we have other sports, even if you've never tried them, that you can come out and try. So like running, for example, a more archery, you can go out and try it if you've never done it. Even if you just want to run recreationally, just, you know, be fit and run with them. They have group runs four to five times a week. Um, you can do that as long as you're, you know, following the membership requirements, paying your dues. Um, but if you really want to be competitive and compete, and you want to go to the races, they take they pick 45 plus members to the races on the weekends. So you can go do that. Similar to archery, they have a competitive team where they go and they compete at a very high level, but then they have people that just come to practice twice a week and practice their shooting on targets. Um, so it's a really cool dynamic where, you know, you don't have to be experienced in some of these clubs. You can come in and kind of learn. Rugby is another good example. We have a lot of athletes that even have played varsity sports or they play high school football um, and they, you know, they want to go to a next level, but they don't know what to do with a very athletic you know, r- rugby pretty much takes anyone, um, and that's one of those things where they can come and participate in a new sport, a unique sport that's growing in America, um, and be really successful. That also opens up the opportunity to be on more than one club sports mm-hmm. team, which I think is awesome since D1 takes up so much of your time that you can't really be on two D1 sports teams. But with club sports, I see athletes all the time going from practice to practice and just being able to try out different kinds of sports is a great opportunity. The way that we have it set up is that these teams, while they may not be competing all year, they're kind of doing things as a team from August, usually through April when the school year ends. So it being October now, is it too late to get involved with club sports? No. Um, Again, some of that goes back to tryouts. So we have those set tryout dates that they need to attend. Some of our clubs will have fall and spring tryouts. Um, Some will not. Um, We do have certain roster deadlines in general. So, for example, a team like running that will take everyone, um, October 13th is our fall roster deadline this year when, um, for the fall, no one can join after that date. But then in the spring, when classes begin um, around MLK Day in the, in the spring, there's about another six-week window where people can join teams again if teams are accepting new members. And the best part of club sports? 
I would say the best part of being on a club sport is that it really is that. It's a club and you're getting to play the sport that you love. So you're not just joining a team like in high school, but you're also getting a whole new network of people who might not have met otherwise at this huge university. It really does make UConn feel smaller and these teams act like a family. They have dinners, they have practices and team bonding events all throughout the year. You're really joining a close group of friends that you could have for the next four years. And maybe beyond. Yeah. If you're interested in club sports, check out clubsports.uconn.edu. That's all for this week. To enter to win Honors Program swag, provide feedback, and suggest future segments, visit honors.uconn.edu slash podcast, where the code word is BALANCE.